Welcome everybody to the Wiregrass High School Football Report brought to you by the radio people. This is your weekly look at all things high school football in the Wiregrass. I am your host, Philip Jordan, the in-studio host and producer for Ethan Woods Football on I6.9, The Legend. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. You can also find the show on the 95.5 WTVY, 96.9 The Legend, and 16.7 KMX apps and website. Please download the apps, and the podcast is very easy to find. Upload the app, podcast right down at the bottom of the screen. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you leave a review, I will read it on a future edition of the show. And you can follow me on Twitter at PJordanRadio. Got a fantastic show for you guys today. Two great guests. And I'm going to be first joined by Geneva County Head Coach Jim Box Striplin. Geneva County is coming off a huge victory on Friday night where they defeated Abbeville Yellow Jackets in a big 2A Region 2 matchup. Then later on in the show, I'm also going to be joined by Josh Boutwell, regular here on the show. He is from the Southeast Sun where he's a sports editor there in Enterprise. We'll look back at Enterprise losing to Central Phoenix City on Friday night, 45-28 in a big 7A Region 2 match. We'll also check out the rest of 7A Region 2, the Dothan Wolves are involved in that region. A lot of interesting stuff there. And look ahead further in the season with Enterprise Wildcats. But to get things started, let's talk to Geneva County Head Coach Jim Bob Striplin. Everybody, my first guest this week on the Wiregrass High School Football Report is Geneva County Head Coach Jim Bob Striplin. And uh, Coach Striplin, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show uh, once again. And uh, congratulations on the victory up at Abbeville on Friday night. Hey, Philip, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on the phone with you guys. Oh, it's always good to have you on the show. Uh, I know we talked in the preseason. I'm glad to have you on as uh, you guys are now 4-0 on the season. I, I guess, though, I wanted to kind of start just the conversation with just the preparation to the game over the last week, especially with, you know, obviously we had the inclement weather around the Wiregrass area over all, pretty much all of last week. How, how did that uh, affect the uh, the preparation of getting the team ready to play Abbeville on Friday night? Yeah, it was a big challenge, you know, but at uh, same time, it was a challenge for both teams. So mm-hmm. um, just hats off to everybody for getting the guys uh, ready to play and out there. But, um, yeah, Monday we were able to get a short practice in before the uh, rain really started coming. Um, and uh, Monday is usually the day we put our uh, game plan in both sides of the ball, so we were able to get that in. Then we had a uh, Zoom meeting on uh, Tuesday with the guys and uh, again on Wednesday. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we uh, fortunately our guys have done a great job of studying their uh, playbooks this year, so we've uh, been able to go to every game with a uh, full arsenal, and uh, it's just really a credit to them more than anything else. Oh, and going into the game, of course, you know, Abbeville was coming into the game as well as an undefeated team, just like you guys are. Uh, what was the going into the game for you, the, the challenger made Abbeville a, a potential tough opponent? Yeah, I'll tell you a lot of things, but for starters, their, uh, their pass rush and their, uh, you know, front seven were just, uh, given such a fierce push up front. That was our biggest concern overall, uh, going into the game, either side of the ball. I mean, we were, uh, you know, going back to all the film we had seen, I mean, um, everybody they played has really had a hard time getting their nose guard blocked. And, uh, so we made that a priority. Uh, second priority was just making sure we knew where their linebacker number two was. And, uh, you know, although we really, really uh, didn't block them all night long, um, consistently, we, we were able to slow them down. But, uh, 
uh, yeah, I got to give those guys credit, man. They had a tremendous defense, and uh, yeah, they'll be a tough team to beat for anybody else uh, moving forward. Yeah, and just the, the importance of the victory. I mean, every game is important, and you know that's the, the game. Next game is always the most important one. But I mean, I, I just looking at the standings. 2A Region 2, in my opinion, may be the most stacked region of all the ones in the Wiregrass, and in 2A may be the best and toughest region in 2A altogether. Just, you know, for your team moving forward, how big was that victory on Friday night? Yeah, it's like I've been saying. I mean, uh, there'll be a good football team that gets left out of the playoffs, unfortunately, uh, because you can only take four. But if I recall from last week, I was looking at the uh, uh, the, uh, the poll, and we had, uh, you know, guys that were – getting votes for top 10 i think we had uh, uh at least four teams in there uh, getting votes or or already in the top 10 but uh yeah it's just a really challenging schedule because you don't have a time to uh, take a breath even after you win a game you just have to keep your head down keep grinding keep moving forward because uh, if you uh, take a take a day off or uh, take a foot off the gas you'll end up uh, uh get put to the back of the line so uh uh yeah it's really tough uh, schedule, but at the same time, we're really proud to uh, uh, be able to compete in a, a region with so many outstanding teams. And, and on the game Friday night, first quarter, you guys had a eight nothing lead after the first. So, was it one of the things where the teams were uh, figuring each other out, kind of filling each other out in a, in a game like that with a, a low scoring first quarter? Well, just a credit to the top athletes who are on the field. I mean, um, uh, our defense is really. Uh, improved this year and we were able to um have some success early in the game against these those guys and um at the same time you know they're so athletic and so strong on defense uh, they can get to the ball quick and then in the second quarter uh, you guys scored 22 points there and you went into halftime with a 30 to 14 lead but of course you know emmanuel henderson on defense with the big fumble return uh, for a touchdown right there at halftime just momentum wise how how big and uh of a push with that for you guys going into the locker room already was up 24 to 14, but then going up 30 to 14 with a big play like that to close out the first half. Well, it was huge. And then, um, uh, you know, I'm really thankful for my experience. I've been doing this for a long time. And the, um, the funny thing is the, uh, last three years we played those guys, it's been a play going into the half that was in their favor. We, we, uh, we were actually in the game with them, um, um, over the past three years, at least two out of the three years, and uh, we've actually we threw a pick two out of those three years, and I was really careful not to, not to let that happen. That's why uh, we decided to go for it on a um, fourth down and four, even if we didn't get it. At least we have our defense on the field, um, and uh, and I let them be able to play it out as opposed to giving them a chance to score on a punt return or an interception. But uh, yeah, finally we got a break going in our favor, going to the halftime, and. Uh, that's huge. You, you know, you always want to end the half in a uh, positive way, and you always want to start the half in a positive way of coming back out of the locker room. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys being at home, that was a, a big thing too with the with the crowd too, being on your side and getting them jazzed up uh, after that big play. Uh, it was huge, and um, again, to be of that caliber, you got to have a lot of stuff going your way. And uh, fortunately, I had my momentum right there. Had the crowd um, pick the crowd back up a little bit, and. Um, uh, that matters in a game like that. So really fortunate that they had that. Uh, in the second half, I mean, you guys come out when you win forty-two to thirty. There, they get some, a little bit of points there in the second half. Just uh, how was your team able to you know to respond to them scoring a little bit there, and also you know kind of continuing what they were doing and you know, to come out with the victory. 
Yeah, I mean, we knew what was coming. I mean, our attitude was it was zero to zero coming out at halftime, uh, even though we had a couple of scores um, on them going in 30-14 at halftime. So we uh, we wanted to continue what we're doing. We could not afford to let off the gas. We just know what kind of team they had. So we, you know, if we let off the gas, they're going to be right back in it, which they uh, ultimately did get back in it. Um, but uh, fortunately, we we uh, were able to uh, overcome a few mistakes and and uh, add to the lead there um, down the stretch and really paid off for us. No, and, and as you're, not, you're sitting at 4-0 right now, 3-0 and in the region, just as there are four games in, uh, what can you say is probably about the biggest thing you've learned about your team so far this season? Uh, boy, I tell you, it's really been a pleasure coaching these guys. Um, number one, because they, uh, they're really great athletes. They they want to be good. They want to um, do their very best. They, they talk about sports all the time, even off the field. And they're just a, just a great group of athletes. I mean, they'll – We'll be good in basketball after football season's over, and then it'll, it'll carry over into baseball also. But uh, just a great group we have right now, dedicated, got a lot of leadership out there. And, uh, you know, uh, a coach-led team can be a good team, but a player-led team can be a great team. And uh, I think uh, right now we have the makings of a uh, of that type of team because we do have some great leadership. And, um, you know, we, we put together the practice plans and the uh, F's and O's, and the guys take care of the rest. And that's really um, uh, why you're seeing the results you are this year. I know this coming week that you go out of region play, you will be playing Geneva on Friday night, and uh, they are three and two. They're out of four A region two, and they just had a victory over Ashford forty one eight. I know we're doing this interview on a Sunday, so it's very early in the week. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts uh, going into that game for your team and uh, on Geneva? Well, it's always a fun game to play because uh, we're really close to those guys over there. Good friends of mine, uh, Coach Wes uh, Sanders. Um, the other guys on staff over there, Brent Justice, but um, you know they know what we're going to do. They we already we know what they're going to do. I mean, they do a good job defensively. They really good in that in a uh, four four scheme. And Coach Sanders is their uh, defensive coordinator. Um, they got the Kimberlin kid playing quarterback. He's a dual threat kid, great arm, great wheels, and uh, he'll be a challenge for us. Um, offensively, they uh, they move the ball around, spread it around really well, so they make it cover the whole field. But um, you know, we just have to play another good game, keep improving. You know, we just can't take a foot off the gas. And uh, fortunately, we do have them at home. That's that's big. And uh, our crowds are really um, getting behind us right now. So, uh, you know, we just want to continue to improve and uh, throw the kitchen sink at them, which is going to that's going to take that type of an effort to uh, to win. And um, hopefully, we'll be able to go five and zero before it's all uh, over with Friday night. And just finally, last question, you know, as before I let you go, just if there's anything else for the audience, you know, you want to say about your team or, or just the community there at the school around uh, Geneva County? You know, I mean, we play hard. We prepare hard. We do that to uh, represent the town and the uh, school. And and uh, our guys take pride in that. That's something we talk about. So uh, uh, we're looking forward to uh, putting it back out there, throwing it all on the line again Friday night. And uh, just hope to uh, – continue to improve and maximize our uh, ability to um, play football and and uh, continue the season on the same trial we are. So uh, just hope everybody comes on out and supports the dogs again on Friday night. Absolutely. And uh, once again, as always, as I tell you every time I have you on, I do appreciate the the, co- the time, Coach Striplin, uh, and I do uh, wish uh, you and your team uh, all the best of luck rest of the season. Hey, I appreciate it, Philip. Thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks for what you're doing with this program. All right, everybody, let me tell you about this Mini Grinder Coaches Show presented by Dothan Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. 
every Thursday night at 8 o'clock on 96.9 The Legend. Jerry Coleman and Ken Lambert sit down with Coach Smitty Grider, the head coach of the Dothan Wolves, to look back at the previous game and look forward to the upcoming game that Friday night. But don't worry. If you do miss the coaches show on Thursday nights on 96.9 The Legend, you can check out the podcast over on 96.9thelegend.com uploaded immediately after the show. So if you miss any of Coach's comments, you can still check out the replay over at 96.9thelegend.com. Now let's get back to the Wiregrass High School Football Report. Everybody joining me next on this week's edition of the Wiregrass High School Football Report is Josh Boutwell, Southeast Sun Sports Editor out of Enterprise. And Josh, uh, you are a frequent guest to the show, but I always appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, yes, my pleasure. Anytime. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, I guess I'll kind of lead with this, and it's kind of it's all over the Wiregrass, all over the Southeast. Of course, what happened last week with the weather and Hurricane Sally, but uh, it had a massive impact in your area of the Wiregrass. Yeah, we had uh, the, the Pea River, our, our arch nemesis over here. <laughs> um, it it kind of threatened us there for a while, but I don't think anybody, or, or at least not many people actually, got flooded. I think Geneva probably got the worst of it. Yeah, I think were they one of the ones I saw or heard somebody say that they saw on the news that it looked like their field was almost covered with it, almost unplayable. Um, I know know there was a lot of teams in the area that actually moved their games to Saturday. I know Houston County and Zion Chapel played Saturday. And I want to say, was it Florala or Kinston? We had a few teams play on Saturday, so that was just kind of one of the – uh, impacts this thing had on football i mean it was just a great impact on everybody but in our own bubble with the high school football deal it had a, it had a big impact too and you got to know a lot of these teams practice wise they really weren't able to get in the practice that they would want to either yeah it's, we got like 2020 you know i mean <laughs> it's, it's it's been so crazy here and then and just the weather just added to all other things that Teams are having to deal with with the Rona and everything, so it's just, it's just 2020. Yeah, which I heard somebody say, and uh, they were say this is serious, but kind of a, a somewhat joke. You don't, it's not football season until the Southeast gets hit with hit with a hurricane. <laughs> Without question. So that's usually where it goes. Uh, do you know uh, how much of an impact practice wise it had on Enterprise throughout last week? I know it, it threw them in, indoors uh, for a couple of days because we had some real, real heavy, heavy, heavy rain. Okay. Of course, they were on the road, so you know, obviously it didn't impact their stadium, their field. that They went to Central uh, Phoenix City to play on Friday night where they did lose 45-28, their first loss of the season. And, you know, kind of reading your recap, too, of the game, uh, it seems like with this one, and, and you say this in the at top of the article, too, that, yeah, 45-28 was the final, but that doesn't tell the whole story what happened on Friday night. No, no, it doesn't at all. Um, really, I think turnovers really tell you the tale. Because with, with Central, and, and their enterprise defensive coordinator kind of said this going in, was you kind of, you know, you know what you're going to get with Central. There's just a ton of talent on the offensive side. So you knew they were going to make their plays, and they certainly did it, especially in the running game. Kind of a way we didn't – we haven't seen them do in the past um, – but Enterprise, um, I think they punt tw- they punted twice. But other than that, they pretty much lived on the central side of the, the field. But they had three real, real big turnovers inside the 30, um, a two interceptions and a fumble that really lo- loomed large in that game. Um, the Probably the biggest thing for me that was 
really jumped out there that game was that um, you didn't see the, the the speed difference like we have in the past few years. Enterprise was able to match them with the speed, but um, I think the size on the line was a big deal, and obviously, like I said, the turnovers. Yeah, I read it five times in the first half. You, you said that Enterprise got inside the thirty and they turned the ball over, and that really has not been something that's really popped up in the previous three games when they were three and zero coming into this game, has it? It hasn't. Um, one thing that has been a little bit of an issue is uh, drop snaps, fumbles. It hasn't really bit them until now. But in Dollar, that's something Darlington's kind of Greg Darlington's kind of focused on was like you know th- this could bite us against a good team, and we kind of saw that here. Uh, with with Central, I know early in the year they were kind of playing a two quarterback system. You had uh, of course you had Caleb Nix in there, the brother of Bo Nix. His dad is the coach, Pat Nix, there at Central. In his first year as head coach there, uh, were they still trying to run a little bit two-quarterback system, or was Nix the primary guy there for Central? No, they ran the two-quarterback system pretty much the whole game. Um, uh, Nix, one thing I'll say about him is that kid is tough. He took one shot in the at the end of the half from LZ Leonard on a sack, and he just got absolutely tattooed but kept going. But uh, the other kid, Trey Miles, is extremely fast. He runs more of kind of the read option stuff, and um, he really, really, really burned Enterprise a few times. On he had one fourth down run um, that got picked up a first down. It was fourth and long. They ended up turning into a touchdown, and he also had I think it was like a sixty yard touchdown run. Yeah, that's got to be tough for any team that goes against them on the defensive side of ball, defense coordinators, because you're looking at two quarterbacks. Which I mean, you see Bo Nix and Caleb Nix. I've seen some highlights too. He is. Uh, has the capability of being a runner, but then you also, if you throw in, like I said, Miles, who is the read option quarterback, it's really like you got to prepare for two different quarterbacks. So then it's kind of like your preparation time is split in two, not just focusing on one guy. So that's always going to be a difficult challenge for any defense coordinator in a good week where you get all your practices. And then especially now when you were going into a week where you didn't get to practice like you'd want to due to the weather. So that's got to be, I, I have a feeling that had to be a difficult challenge getting prepared for two separate quarterbacks like that. Oh yeah. Without question. Um, and the thing is when you just see number eight coming into the game, you can't say, okay, well he's going to run the read option because he does have that arm too. But like you said, Nick's is more of a, a pocket passer. So Coming in and having to, to deal with both of those quarterbacks, it's going to give every team trouble this year. I think we've seen it and we will see it for the rest of the year. But, yeah, um, just the the reduced time that you would have on the field and trying to scout it as best you could because that, that would be hard to scout anyway. It's just something that uh, it was hard to overcome. Yeah, you see more and more teams, I think, doing that too, to change a pace quarterback through. I mean, just kind of throw their defense off a little bit. And, of course, I mean, that was – I mean, they put up a lot of yards on, in the game. It's Enterprise. And Enterprise came into the game only giving up 15 points per game on defense their first three games. Uh, so that that was, you know, interesting. I was kind of – as I was in the studio on Friday night as doing the Dothan game, but also keeping up what Enterprise was doing, I was kind of, whoa, you know, Enterprise hasn't been giving up them kind of uh, points and yardage. But on the side – and you, and you put this in your article, I mean, Enterprise, too, as you said, they moved the ball throughout the game. And even they were down, what, 28 to 14 uh, going in, into halftime. They came out, first possession, second half, they moved the ball, boom. The turnover uh, the turnover uh, illness or whatever they had on Friday night kind of jumped on them again. But, man, just looking at the numbers, too, Josh McCray, big game, four touchdowns, 395 all-purpose yards. And I was talking to you off air about this. 
79 rushing, 139 receiving. Uh, he even completed a pass, playing quarterback a little bit, and uh, 146 on kickoff yards. Uh, so I guess my proper question is, you following Enterprise, where do they not put him on offense or on the field? Because he seems like he's a Swiss Army knife. You can just do whatever you want to with him, and uh, he's going to make plays. He hasn't played on the offensive line. I think that would probably be the only <laughs> spot he has. He's lined up uh, in the wing. You got to look at the way Enterprise offense is set up with, you know, they run the flex bone, they run uh, eye formation, they run spread, they run the single wing. So many different formations. They line, they line him up in the slot. They line him out wide. They line him up at tight end. They line him up at wing. They line him up at tailback. They line him up at, uh, at fullback in the flex. They line him up at quarterback in the single wing. It's he is definitely a luxury for uh, for Enterprise to have. Um, he's incredibly fast. He's incredibly strong. He's big. Um, he he's getting stronger as the season's going on. And I think the way uh, Coach Darlington has used him this year, and you haven't really seen a game where he's had like thirty carries where they're just pounding with him. They've spread the ball around a lot, and I think that'll probably keep him fresh as the season goes on too. Yeah, and he, obviously you're sharing time with uh, Michael Johnson when he did, is at running back too as well. So having that one-two punch there is pretty good. I know Michael Johnson was one he had the injury issue, so keeping him healthy all year is big too. So if you have the two guys that can split time, keeping both each, both these guys fresh, that'll be big, especially when you get to the stretch run at toward the end of the season. Yeah, without question, MJ uh, had over 100 yards for the first time this year, and he's had several big runs this year. But they also use Zaire Boyd as a junior at tailback. They use him a lot. Uh, Quentin Hayes is also a, a good runner, too. So keeping all these guys in the game and rotating in is going to keep everybody fresh, I think. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about Quentin Hayes, the quarterback this year. Of course, he had his first interceptions of the year. That was some of the turnovers you alluded to that they got inside the 30. But I know, and I kind of big takeaway a couple weeks ago when Enterprise played Dothan, it felt like to me – and this is this is no disrespect to anything for Enterprise this last season, but he adds a element to the team that they maybe didn't have last year. Really, not just as a runner, but you can hit the big play down the field through the air now with him. Yeah, he has an excellent arm, uh, good touch too. Um, he does add that dimension to the passing game. We've we've seen we've definitely seen already more explosive passing plays um, than the probably the really last three years. Um, he got dinged up uh, against Davidson, and then he got dinged up again um, in the second half of the Central game. And I, uh, really, the probably almost the last quarter, uh, they ran almost exclusively single wing. They, could, they brought him in there a couple of times, but just because he was dinged up with an ankle. You know, when you and you look at this now going forward, uh, Enterprise first loss of the year. Now that puts them at one and one in Region Two, and I got the standings next to him. You got Auburn and Central sitting there at three and zero. Auburn's five and zero overall. Central is three and two. Look, a good bounce back for them too because they lost their first two games against Hoover and Ufala. They've turned it around with three straight wins. And then Prattville sits there at the three spot at four and one, two and one. Enterprise behind them at three and one, one and one in Region. Then you got Jeff Davis Smith Station and Dothan all looking for their first Region victories so i mean overall when you when you look at region 7a region 2 uh it kind of it seems like it's top heavy then we have some teams that are still trying to find some victories uh what's been your overall takeaway as you've seen a couple of these teams of course following enterprise when it comes to 7a region 2 yeah we said coming into the season it kind of was like the sec west and i think mm-hmm. uh you, you could definitely make that comparison i think central prattville and Auburn are just so so good 
and Enterprise is so much better this year. Um, JD and, and Smith and, and Dothan are having a down year, but you know, really, you, you can't look look past anybody in this region. And I think for if at least at least for Enterprise, um, those region games against Auburn and uh, Prattville are going to be real huge. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he, of course, I mean, even look, Dothan uh, is zero three so far in the region. But when you look at their games against Enterprise and Auburn, they were in it for a half. And Dothan's got talent, so they're they're not going to be a, an easy out for anybody either. And I, I you know, maybe biased because I'm part of the broadcast team with Dothan, but I do feel like Smitty Grider and that that crew over there, that coaching staff, is going to get this thing turned around at some point this season too. And this weekend. Pretty much everybody is out of region play. It's kind of like we're getting, okay, we're close to midseason. Let's take a break with the region play. And everybody is going out of the region. And for Enterprise, interesting for them because I know they originally were scheduled to play Early County this coming week. But due to COVID situation with them, uh, that game got canceled. So now you put in Carroll. And this is an interesting matchup between a 7A and a 5A school. But also that there's a lot of history between these two that used to play on a regular basis. Yes, we we mentioned a while ago, uh, 2020. So it's, it's what it was. <laughs> Davidson, uh, a couple weeks ago, just kind of last minute said, well, we can't travel to Enterprise. So Enterprise ended up having to go to Davidson, which is a, a long trip. And then uh, last minute last week, uh, Early County says they can't make the trip to Enterprise. So now Darlington said, you know, they were just kind of looking for someone. And uh, someone, I guess, mentioned uh, Carol. And he has said in the past he's he's really trying to push to try to get some of these, you know, kind of more traditional games from back in the day with Andalusia, Carroll, teams like that, um, in the Wiregrass because there's not a lot of seven A schools around here. Um and Carroll stepped up to the plate and uh they said they would do it. Um these two schools were a traditional rival for many, many years. Um they played for the first time in nineteen fifteen. Um, I believe they played every year from um, the early 50s through 2007, and they haven't played since 2007. Um, but this will be the first time they've ever played in Wildcat Stadium. Yeah, and with Carroll, too, you know, they're going through a transition. To, they have a new head coach this year, uh, Patrick Plott, come in. And uh, the team is 2-2 two and two so far. They're 2-1 and 5A, Region 2, coming off wins against Rahove and Hedlund. They had kind of a little stuff, uh, tough start to the season and uh i'm mean, recording this on sunday anyways do you have any just any initial thoughts overall of the game coming up on friday uh well for one um i, I spoke with coach plot very briefly last week and uh coach darlington actually talked to him too and um he said that uh he had all the respect in the world for uh coach plot taking this game on which is not something he had to do but coach plot said that you know they just wanted a game they just wanted to get another game and um, as Darlington said, you know, this is the way you build programs. You go out and you face tough competition, and you, you're a 5A school. You go play a 7A school. Um, so I definitely respect that. They're obviously trying to um, trying to rebuild over there. Um, they got some speed for sure. I've I've watched a little bit. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. It's just it's just cool to be able to say, you know, 20, 25 miles down the road, Enterprise has a team coming other than Dothan to have that rivalry and. Some, there's still some hate going on there between Enterprise and Ozark over the years, which would be fun. Oh, yeah, I'm sure some uh, former players that have played in this rivalry and some fans are kind of excited to see the two uh, play each other again. You know, we've seen that in both high school and college football. Uh, 
trying to rearrange and arrange a game last minute we see it there's a handful i think that's happened in college football where it's like okay we weren't originally scheduled but we got a week uh let's play i mean and in a day it's not like either team is at a disadvantage from a preparation standpoint because you both have the same amount of time so it's a uh, it's it's interesting and i i'm really impressed too how they got that thing together because it was like what that the day that you saw early county game was gone then probably within 24 hours less than that boom the carroll game was there so very impressive how quickly that came together too yeah, without question, you can get some kudos to, to all the coaches involved and the administrators to get that done. I mean, immediately. I put up the story about the early county being gone, and then the next day I had to put up a new one about the <laughs> game. So you definitely got to applaud that. The ever-changing 2020. I guess that's kind of the theme of our conversation here. Uh, I guess I'll close it with this. When you look at enterprise schedule throughout, of course, we look at they play Carroll this week. That's non-region. Then you do have Prattville after that on October 2nd. Then you will close out region play on the 23rd against Auburn. So some pretty pivotal games are, are on the way for Enterprise when it comes to Region 2. Yeah, without question. Um, I think the biggest thing is after three uh, straight road trips, uh, two of them being Mobile and Phoenix City, which are both long trips, getting back, I think, uh, three or maybe four straight home games will be real big for Enterprise, but and obviously getting Auburn at home. Um, Auburn and Prattville are kind of the, the games that I'm looking at that are going to be kind of tell the tale how this is going to go because you're going to have to upset one of them more than likely to get in the playoffs. Um, do have JD and do have Smith Station left, and you can't count those as wins either. So you got to win the ones you're supposed to and probably try to upset one of those other two too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And as we kind of – it feels like the season is weird anyways, the way it started because – some teams didn't play for a couple of weeks and but you look at it we're we're about to hit the midway point it doesn't feel like we should be there but we are there and this is kind of i think this is when we're going to start seeing you know teams really start to separate and it's a stretch run, stretch run for a lot of teams and in enterprise included so it's going to be interested interesting to see uh how all these games do shake out here in a uh, 7a region two and josh uh, i do appreciate the time as always you jump on here on sundays as we usually record this podcast uh, if the listeners wanted to follow you online uh where can they find you and all your work you're doing over at southeast sun www.southeastsun.com you can follow us on twitter at southeast sun or the southeast sun on facebook you can follow me on twitter at uh, Josh Battle son or Josh Battle Sports I'm sorry all right Josh anyways it's always great to have you on the show and I'm sure we will talk again a time or two before the season is out especially because I expect Enterprise being a playoff so we'll have to talk about some playoff football at some point down the road on the show but I do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show as always it's my pleasure anytime you need me just let me know all right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Wiregrass High School Football Report. Once again, thanks to Geneva County Head Coach Jim Bob Stripling for being on the show, talking about Geneva County, his second visit to the podcast this season, and also podcast regular Josh Batwell, who is the sports editor at the Southeast Sun in Enterprise. Hope everybody has a fantastic week. Make sure to go check out some games this Friday night. And if you aren't at a game and you're near radio, Please listen to Dothan Wolves as they take on Decatur Syrup Makers. Going out of region this week for the Dothan Wolves. Kickoff will be at 7 o'clock, but pregame will start at 6.45. Jerry Coleman and Ken Lambert will be on the call, as they always are. And I'll be back in the studio keeping you guys updated on all the scores going on in the Wiregrass uh, with the 
scoreboard update. And also, you can listen to the Dothan Wolves just like this podcast on the 96.9 The Legend app. So go download the app. It's free, easy to use, very simple. So go and check that out. And please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts to this show. As I said, they open. If you leave a review, I will read it on a future edition of the podcast. You can also check out the show over at the Google Play Music Store as well. Anyway, have a fantastic week, everybody. Until next time. Bye-bye.